Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Preece of Copper Beach Financial Group. John and Michael, so good to be back with you guys. Yeah, good to hear your voice, Eric. Have have been a couple weeks, right? Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to talk to you guys too because you're actually taking a lot of of the information and questions and concerns that your clients have and and things that you're hearing from other people as well uh, in your industry. And you're going to talk about that for today and and actually the next podcast too. So it's going to be a two-parter, correct? Yes, it is. And we thought it would be a good uh, shift a little bit from our traditional podcast is to share with the audience other people's concerns, which might be theirs as well, concerned about different issues, what's going on around them in their financial world, whether it's volatility of the markets to you know politics. So we're going we're gonna to touch on a bunch of them over the next couple of podcasts just to share, again, those thoughts with uh, the audience on how people are feeling about the world around them. All right. Well, that sounds good. And, and I know that this is kind of the time of year that people usually reflect, right? I mean, it's the holidays, everything's great. And then we're getting into January and everybody's trying to make changes in their own life. But these concerns are, are something that can slow people down from making decisions. And, and that's that can be pretty bad. So I'm glad you're addressing it. Where do we start? Well, we have, I'm going to list about 10 items that we'll focus on. There's, there might be okay. more pop, pop up through our conversation, but we had focus on 10 um and and just dig deep into some of them maybe light on others but uh again just share everybody's uh um everybody's thoughts with our audience today in the next podcast all right so the first one's going to be market volatility second one's going to be jobs and education that seems to be a hot topic inflation most certainly is on the table living too long is a conversation that some people are mostly a lot a lot of people concerned about not that that's not a bad thing. It's really outliving their money is, is the key issue. We're going to talk about asset allocation strategy going forward, a kind of a new approach maybe with the world around us. Things might change in your strategy. We'll share with the audience some of the things we're hearing uh, from experts that we deal with. Estate planning is a hot topic, um, trying to get their financial affairs in order with, uh, with the new upcoming year and beyond. Long-term care is always a hot topic. Um, we have some nuances that we'll hopefully share with the audience that people are referencing, maybe some design ideas. Politics, oh, I love that one. Michael hated that one. He didn't <laughs> want to bring that up because he's not a political person. I'm, I'm not controlling the list that today. Yeah. As you can <laughs> tell. The list it's G1 is, today. G2 is taking the backseat. The list is not in front of me, everyone, so I, I'm <laughs> lack of control. <laughs> Uh, taxes is number nine. That should be number one, but uh, I kind of left it n- number number nine. And COVID, that seems to keep popping up. We probably not spent a whole lot of time on COVID. We're not medical professionals, but this this is a concern that people are still having um, as it relates to their finances. So we thought we'd bring that up. Um, the first thing I'll make a statement on it's, it's common sense stuff to me is you can't worry about things you have no control over. Number one. But how many of us do? We were concerned about things that are happening around us and we really have no control over. So to get stressed over that is a challenge. People are, are getting stressed over things that, again, they, they, they just have very little control over. Uh, so that, that's one common sense thing I'll just start with. So let's talk about market volatility. Um, 
I've been around the block a few years. I've been through three, three and a half, four, depending on how you calculate it, market downturns. And the first one was in 1987. I was new in the business. In October of 1987, the mark, the market turned downward, which scared the crap out of everybody. Excuse my French. People were thinking about jumping out of windows and you had all kinds of media exposure. People were concerned about the world was coming to an end. And what people, people realize that again, you have no control of the markets and you have to ebb and flow with that, with that adjustment of that volatility. But most people look at it as a negative. I always looked at it as a positive. I was always taught that when the market drops at that level, it's a very, very good buying opportunity. If I remember my numbers correctly, the Dow at that period of time was around 1800 points. 18, that was, that's how low it was. Now it's a 34,000. I think it's as of today. I can't remember the numbers. Maybe 35,000. But since 87 to now, you can see the, the, the magnificent growth of the market and people, people that were afraid to get back into the market lost a big opportunity over a long period of time. I have a good friend of mine who after that, uh, 2000 crash, which is the second crash. It was the uh, technology bubble burst. He lost probably 60% of his portfolio and never went back into the portfolio and he stayed in cash and he's still in cash. And that's a challenge for me because he missed enormous bull markets over the last 12 years that he could have not only recouped what he lost, but made a ton of money. So people get afraid to get back in the market. I'll just challenge everybody. The market volatility is not a negative it's a positive in most cases. Now, what I mean by that, most cases, if you're in a retirement mode and the market adjusts right. like that, it could cause your problem with your asset-based producing income or dividends off your stocks. It could, it could change a few things. But generally speaking, when the market turns downward like that, it's a huge opportunity to buy at that, at that hopefully that bottom and, and, and ra- ra- race to the next uh, bull market. Or sequence of that. Mike, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I was actually, you jumped right ahead of me. I was going to talk about the retirement side of things, and that's at least as it relates to a, a lot of the families that we are working with right now. They're approaching that retirement age. They might be selling a business. They might be, again, just retiring from a job uh, that they've been working at for a long time. And they're looking at where the equity markets are today, and they've seen the run up over the last. Uh, you know, since 2009. And, you know, that, that's a concern of theirs. They want to make sure that they've, uh, that they're going to be able to protect um, their income as they're in retirement years. And they're really relying on these retirement savings to be able to do that. So that's definitely a concern um, that many of our families have. But I think what you outlined is very important. It, you have to, you have to try as best you can to keep emotions out of it. We are obviously emotional creatures. We're not robots. However, I think having that the ebb and flow, as you put it, that is a, is a good point. Yeah, we've had tremendous bull markets still still going. It's to, almost 12, 12 years now. And, and people are waiting for that big turnaround or that big crash. It's going to, adjustments going to happen. We just don't know when. But I think some of the conversation, if you understand what's going on with the market, I'll try to keep it real simple for the audience, is that there's a reason why the markets are going up in, in a certain certain way is because if you look at yields today, and we'll talk about that a little bit further down the list, to be yields today, they're very, very low. The treasury yields are are one percent plus and your your bonds are maybe one and a half to two percent. So people that are on that retirement model, they're not getting yield from anywhere. Uh, and they have to live obviously their daily lives. 
So where they're going is into the stock market and playing the dividends off of stocks because the dividend rates on average are about four to four and a half percent by some of these stocks and are higher in some stock, other stocks. So people are putting money into the market, not because they want to be in the market because that's where the yield is. So it's interesting when you look at that, that side of it. Uh, but remember what I said, you can't control volatility. You can control a lot of other things. You can control tax risk. You can control inflation risk. You can control yield risk, but you can't control volatility. So just get used to it. It's going to happen, and it's going to continue to happen as an investor. The second uh, on the list is education and jobs. Now, that that's not a big topic for our families, but most certainly recruiting talent is a, is a challenge today. Um, you know, the job market, I think, in October, 4 million people dropped out of the job market, which, which is scary. I don't know what, what they're doing. I'm here. They're opening up their own companies. Uh, but everything's starting to shift in the job world and, and, and industries. So if you're coming out of college and you're looking for employment, there's a lot of shifting going on and education around, um, technology education around the future, um, opportunities, uh, over the next 10 or 20 years of one's lifespan. What's the next great thing? Is it going to be, is it biotechnology? Is it going to be in technology in general? Is it going to be driving trucks? Is it going to be plumbing? Who knows? There's a lot of opportunities out there, but job recruiting and job focusing is a key element now. We're starting to hear people concerned about where they're going to get employed and how and what kind of job position they're going to be able to get. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this is a lot of these bullet items we're going to talk about are almost intertwined with one another because I think a lot of this has something to do with COVID to some degree. And I know depending on the industry that you're in, a lot of our business owner clients, that is one thing that that they're mentioning pretty much every quarterly meeting is is recruiting trying to find enough people particularly yeah. if you're in you know like the restaurant business i know that's that's very difficult right now for many of them so it's it's a challenge and um i do think you're you're right i think there's a big shift going on well one of the things that guys just to jump in i just read yesterday is that uh, i don't know if you've been following the kellogg strike i have not um, no that's but there's yeah, there's a huge strike that's been going on for uh, quite a long time, and they have people that have temporary workers, scabs, whatever you want to call them. They've come in. Uh, I believe it was either yesterday or just the day before Kellogg announced, announced that they're going to replace all their employees with the temporary employees now. And that was in 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 the threads and in the discussions I've been reading. Everybody's first question is with who? <laughs> who are you going to replace them with? There's already a shortage in all these manufacturing jobs. How are you going to replace all these workers that are currently on strike? And so that's, I mean, I don't know if that's just not based in reality. They think they can replace them, but there's, they're not going to find, you know, the caliber or the, you know, the, the amount that they need is what it looks like to me. You know, yeah. And then on the opposite side, we were actually, we were just talking about this in the office this morning. The, I think it's better.com. We were, were we talking about that this morning where he, the, the CEO fired, I think 900 people over yes. zoom. Exactly. Uh, that, I saw that too. Yeah, you know, so then you get that that's, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of industries that would love to have 900 more employees. Yeah, 15 percent uh, of his workforce. So. Right. So it's a, it's it's definitely a different economy out there than it has been. Yeah, and I mentioned truck drivers. I brought that up purposely. If you if you look what's going on in that world, 
Um, and we'll get into what's going on in California with the boats hanging off the shore <laughs> when they drop off their goods. But basically, there's, there's such a shortage of truck drivers because most of the truck drivers now are, I think there's, I think there's 30% of them retiring in the next two to three years. And there's not anybody to, to fill these jobs. Um, so how do you get the goods across the country? Yeah, so you you have a lot of a lot of, a lot of friction going on with the infrastructure, with um, with what's changing in the environment, like aging of the population, and the younger people don't want to drive trucks, and and I get that to a certain degree, but the, it causes a problem. How do we get goods across the United States or around the world without without people trucking it? As an example, so so now the driverless cars and trucks come into play. If you talk to Elon Musk, he'll tell you that driverless trucks and cars are going to be here. Uh, Kathy Wood from ARC uh, out of New York says the same thing. That's going to be a huge market. So, so there's a lot of shifting going on with technology. And I think as a, as a father, you know, talking to a, a, a child, I would say be, be clear on where you want to go, but be open-minded um, to where the opportunities will be in the next 20 years because the world's changing by the second and technology is making that happen. Um, so it's, it's a, it's an interesting conversation to be had. You have to have a couple glasses of wine with it to loosen yourself up a little bit, <laughs> but it, but it has, it has some merit. The next one is inflation. Now we could probably spend a, de- a whole year on inflation, but inflation has reared its ugly head. And, and unfortunately or fortunately, I'll use the unfortunate piece for a second. Most of the young, young people today are not old enough to remember inflation back in the 70s and 80s, as an example, when inflation was high. Uh, they've lived in a low environment inflation-wise, and now all of a sudden it's starting to, to crop up to over 6%, and people are very, very, very concerned about that. But inflation is, a, is kind of an interesting conversation because it's really a tax. It's a tax on the cost of goods going up, if you look at it that way. So things are costing more because the dollar is de- devaluing along the way here. So things cost more. And I make the analogy when I was in high school years and years ago, my dad was a school teacher. And I think his compensation in 19, I think it was 1968 or 69 in that range, that his compensation was, was $6,500 a year as a teacher. Now, if you think about that for a moment, how can anyone live on that? Well, back then, inflation was was a lot different back then. Uh, now, to compare that rate of pay to a teacher today, I don't know what the going rate is today, but let's say it's $50,000. That's the difference. Not that they're paying teachers more. They're paying teachers more because inflation has happened. So because the cost of goods have gone up, uh, things are more expensive, so you need to get paid more to pay for those. So inflation is a, is a factor that that people have to pay attention to. And I know in previous podcasts, when we do projections and modeling, we project out three and a half, what is it, 3.6% microinflation? I think three and three quarters, typically. Yeah, out long over a long period of time. If you look at the average inflation rate over the last, I think, 80 years has been 3.2 in that range, maybe a little bit higher now. So you, if you just level to three, 3% inflation on average, uh, things go up by 3% in cost, and they drop in value by 3%. So there's a 6% swing when you look at assets and you look at just the cost of goods going forward. So inflation, you got to be careful with. You have to invest, go back to your asset allocation. You have to grow assets to, fa- to battle that inflation. Uh, you can't be stagnant. And I'll make the example for a treasury bill. 
uh, that's a CD. People are familiar with that. If you put a dollar in a CD in 1929 and held it, I think I think the year was 1990. Um, if you looked at the value of your dollar, what would your guess be, Eric? No idea. <laughs> from from ninety three percent, ninety three cents. If you dust, oh. if you if you adjust it to inflation and taxes, think about that. So so yeah. CDs are not things that grow, so they don't they don't help inflation. They they they, they, they actually they lose to inflation. So if folks that have uh, CDs in in the bank recognize over long periods of time, inflation alone will cut that return only by the nature of what it is. It's a treasury. It's not designed to beat inflation. It's designed to protect your money. And I think of it this way. Assets have dominant benefits. CDs have a dominant benefit of safety. Bonds have a dominant benefit of producing income. Stocks have a dominant benefit of growth. I'll just stop at those three. So if you think of it on that level, if you want to grow your assets, you have to have stocks. If you want assets to produce income because you're retired and you need some income, you have to invest more into bonds. And if you want safety and a pool of assets you don't want to lose anything on, but you're not worried about living off of, that's where your CD comes in. So you have to really look at your portfolio design, and I would go back to your advisors and start having a deeper conversation on what asset classes might be attractive. There's gold and silver. We just was, had a great podcast I was on that. Say that. Yeah, I was going to say, look, go back and listen to our podcasts with Andy Schechtman from Miles Franklin. And, and a lot of that was derived from what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, there's real estate investments. So there's other asset classes that you could take a look at to rebuild your portfolio to take advantage of these sectors. Like you look at real estate, everybody's properties are up now across the board. Um, is there going to be a real estate bubble? They talk about that in recent um, news releases. The, there's always a bubble. And depending on what asset class you're in, it's a timing issue, that bubble. When they say bubble, that's not necessarily a negative. It's just a downturn or correction in the marketplace to get back to normal rates, uh, whether it's in stocks or bonds or, or, or real estate. So, so it's really just watching that allocation and adjust accordingly. And again, my recommendation, go back to your advisors and sit with them to, to, to review that if you haven't done that in a while. Mike, I'm going to throw the uh, living too long to you um, and, the, and the, the risk of that. And let's discuss that. That's a hot, hot topic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Living, living too long. And that can come in a variety of conversations with us. And, and as you mentioned at the beginning, that's not a bad thing. I think uh, most of us would prefer that. Uh, in, in more context than less. But for what we do with families, the living too long conversation presents additional challenges. They, they want to make sure that they have enough assets to live comfortably for their remaining uh, years. They also want to make sure that uh, things like long-term care are covered, which we'll get into in a, in a future discussion. Uh, but it's interesting, when we go through our modeling, you mentioned the assumptions we use a lot of times for inflation. That's one other assumption is the age of passing. It's one thing that we've pushed back over recent years. Yeah. We've had a lot of families recently, um, actually from all different generations, really. We've had some baby boomers that have wanted us to project out to age 95 and age 100. To 100, yeah. Uh, to make sure that they have enough assets to be able to maintain their lifestyle that long. And, and certainly the younger clients that we work with 
are even more concerned about that just because I think they can see where medical advances are going. They are more comfortable with the concept of living into into the, you know, the 90s and even beyond. So that's one thing that, again, getting back to discussing with your advisors, you know, make sure that if you're going through a cash flow analysis or an investment analysis that that is factored in. Longevity is becoming, uh, on average, more of an issue for, for us, which, is, uh, which, again, is a good thing, but something you need to keep, uh, keep in the front of your mind. Yeah, there's a biotech company in New York. I was reading an article. Um, they're not a public company. They're private. But they, they have advanced in AI beyond your wildest imagination. They have a software that's going to be 10 times quicker than any doctor, any researcher, any scientist come up with a cure for like cancer or some illness or some disease. Uh, this software is supposed to be able to be 10,000 times quicker to come up with a solution. And they're working on four or five illnesses, cancer, one of them. Um, I think there's uh, Alzheimer's is another one. They're actually going to come up with a cure for these illnesses based on artificial intelligence. So I want you to think about that for a second. That's scary. So to Michael's point, young people today, and I'll use Michael at age 30, 39 now, Michael? Not for another couple of weeks. I, had, I, I almost had him. Almost had him. <laughs> He's going to be 39 on, on December 20th. And, and, and basically, his age group, they're projecting his age to live into, well into the hundreds. So what does retirement mean? <laughs> Is it 65? Is it 70? Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing that you brought up. Yeah. That Michael brought up was medical advancements, and then you piggybacked off of that, John. It's medical advancements are going to cost money, right? I mean, and that, that's the that's the issue that I'm most concerned about. Is great if I'm going to be living till 85, 90 years old at my age now. I'm 47. If I'm going to be living till 90, what's it going to take to keep me around? <laughs> and well, that's most most importantly, yeah, we'll have to give her a buzz and <laughs> so, test her on that one. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's that's the whole thing is that not only do we have more longevity but to get to that point and it you know you're going to have to pay for it. And so medical expenses I think are already are a concern of retirees. So how do you guys address that when it comes to you know I mean you brought up all these concerns not only longevity but the the cost associated with that. How how is that dealt with? Yeah, that's I mean we have that conversation especially with our doctors that we work with. Because they, they, they understand the medical industry better than anybody. And the doctor that I spoke to just recently said that 85% of the medical costs are spent the last 18 months of someone's life. So, so you look at that aging of the population, what does that really mean from a cost standpoint? And Eric, that's an excellent question. I have no idea where that's going to go. Now, obviously, the government's going to have to take a key role in that. Um, there has to be adjustments in our medical systems, but go back to the AI conversation and go back to technology shifts. I mean, telemedicine's hot. I mean, right now I had a, I had a meeting with my doctor via the internet for a prescription. You don't have to go into their offices anymore. That's going to be a very, very big part of saving costs and getting more uh, medical advice on the table as a patient because you could do it via phone and docs could do a lot more of that during the day versus having patients come in daily. So there's a shift going on, a very subtle one, but that telemedicine is huge. My, that's just my Well, my I think read. it was uh, uh, Paul Dietrich, who's a, a frequent guest on this podcast. Uh -huh. I, think, I believe he, a couple of years ago, we had him speak at our family uh, office symposium that we 
uh, we put on every year. And he, this is before 5G was released. And I remember him giving an example. He was actually at this doctor's office, and I think it was in Princeton, relatively local to us. And he was talking with this doctor who's a heart surgeon who through robotics and 5G technology will have the ability to be in his office or facility in New Jersey, but through 5G technology, be able to operate on someone in the Midwest, uh, some who does not have access to that quality of doctor or quality of care wherever he or she may be. And so that to me was, was fascinating. And I hope to, to your question, Eric, that somehow the costs of that will, will universally come down so that it's, it, it isn't as uh, unaffordable as it might be. But, you know, that, that I, just, I just found that fascinating to be able, again, kind of get back to technology to be able to do that is, is pretty unbelievable. And I, I hope so as well. My concern is, you know, them adding that line that says convenience fee, right? That yeah. so many c- companies yeah. are adding on there for no reason. Convenience fee. You didn't have to leave your hometown, so we're going to charge you an extra $35,000 for that surgery because it's more convenient to stay yeah, there. It's, and it's funny you mentioned, uh, uh, Dad, when you mentioned the healthcare costs later in life, when you mentioned that statistic, there's another doctor uh, that we know that I was talking to who it was giving similar statistics, was talking about how, uh, you know, a lot of, let's say if you're in your 90s and you're in the hospital and you have a a procedure done at the hospital, you said that there's so much care and so much expense that's devoted to that uh, person. And then it only, you know, the the procedure might have been successful, but then they catch pneumonia a a week later and and then they pass away. And he was really outlining a lot of, unfortunately, what happens in the day-to-day operation there. And, you know, he, he said, if you want to lower healthcare costs, don't give that person that type of procedure, which is never going to happen, obviously. And, and uh, you're never going to be able to do that. But, you know, it's a very complicated topic from my understanding. It's, a, it's And it's, I think it's going to be an ongoing debate how our society uh, handles that. Um, as you know, the United States has more of a capital capitalistic approach to medicine. Um, the, the more you do, the, the more successful you are, the more money you make versus some other countries that have more of a um, salary-based system. Now, we're moving towards that in the United States. I, I think say, yeah. Yeah, a lot of hospitals are now hiring doctor groups, and they're working now for hospitals. So I'm starting to see a shift in that. Where that ends up, Eric, I'm not really sure. I'm not, I'm not in that field. But there's a shift going on, and people have to pay more attention to what's going on in the job markets, as we outlined. Uh, the volatility of the markets are going to be th- are going to be consistent. You can go up and down. Uh, again, people who have been in the markets for the last twelve years won big time. Uh, they've really secured their futures. I've had I talked to a client. He tripled his portfolio since two thousand and fifteen. I mean, some m- huge increases in portfolios depending on what sector you're in and what stocks you had. People have made a lot of money. So your asset allocation is going to be critical to um, pay attention to only because of where the yield curves are, where the bond markets are, what's going on globally, uh, the inflation factor. Uh, stocks are going to be still a major play to hedge that that um, that inflation fear that people have. So people are going to take more risk. I mean, there's, a, there's insurance companies now are being bought up by private equity investors. There's a whole life insurance company called Ohio National was just bought out by a private equity firm because they weren't they weren't adding it they, because the interest rates are so low to these insurance companies 
it was causing them a problem to maintain their policies. So private equity investors are buying some of these insurance companies. Might not be a, a bad thing, but it causes a challenge to the regulatory system because in order to grow assets now, you have to you have to be more riskier because your yields are not there. Interest rates have plummeted for the last 15 years for these insurance companies. Remember, they they operate on on bond strategies. Yeah. So as your bond yields drop, uh, and they're usually 30-year bonds. So every time these 30-year bonds mature in these insurance companies, they have to buy a, a lower-yielding bond. So over time, the yields start to drop. So it's caused stress to the insurance industry. Now they're adjusting to it, but that's an extreme example where some insurance companies are being bought out by equity investor, private equity investors to infuse capital into these companies because they're really cash cows, insurance companies. They're very profitable, but they maintain the support of the policies they have on, that they've underwritten over the last 30, 40, 50 years. They, they need some support. So there's a lot of changes going on. My, my, my advice to anybody who's listening is get with your advisors, your legal team. We'll talk about estate planning on our next conference, uh, next podcast. Um, so get with your advisors, update your, your portfolios, update your asset allocation, watch the, the yield curves, watch the inflation rates, be more proactive is the word I like to use and looking at all these items because it's critical because I, I don't want you being caught between a rock and a hard place and say I should have and could have. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that in my career, I wouldn't be on this podcast with you, Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that, so I, I think that's a good spot to end uh, and we'll start in on, on the next five or six topics on our next podcast. But, but I would just say, just pay attention. Things are moving very quickly. Uh, split second timing, things are changing. So be, be aware. Great advice. Thank you so much, gentlemen. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And again, John and Michael got these questions and these concerns from clients, from people they're associated with. And if they have them, most likely your friends and family do too. So please share the podcast so they can join in and maybe it'll start some discussions with you. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. 
Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy.